Just... Hey, I want to remind you uh, or encourage you, be praying for Greg Young. Greg's having gallbladder surgery tomorrow. We, it's one of the reasons I wanted to pray for him today. And, and um, So just keep him lifted up. He's got that and some other things coming up uh, still kind of as follow-up from his uh, battle with meningitis. And um, So keep the Young family in your prayers. We're expecting a good report tomorrow, and that, that, that's a praise of the Lord, man. That'll that'll help you. That'll help you a lot. I've never had gallbladder problems, but I know people that have, and I hear it's not any fun. All right, open your Bible to the Book of Acts. We've been talking about power to be witnesses, and today we're going to look at the prayer for power. Let me just read our scripture from Acts chapter 1. Let me begin in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, Jesus said, keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing's not when the kingdom's going to be restored. The Father knows when that's going to be. The main thing is, you will receive power to be witnesses to me. And as the church today, we need to keep the main thing the main thing. And our main objective is to be witnesses for Christ. And we do that for the glory of the Father. So the prayer for power, we've looked at the promise of power. Jesus called it the promise of the Father. He said, go and wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes. And that was the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So we talked about the promise of power. We talked about the provision of power. That when the day of Pentecost had fully come, God poured out His Spirit on all flesh. And we talked about what that meant, what all flesh signified. It wasn't just Jewish priests and prophets and kings any longer. It was now all flesh, Jew and Gentile, maidservants, men servants, young, old. This is why Paul says in his letters in the New Testament, there is now neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free, barbarian, Scythian, but we are one in Christ. And so God made the promise. He provided the provision of power, He poured out His Spirit. Now it's available to all who are in Christ. If you're in Christ today, you have received the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the purpose of power, and the purpose of power is to be a witness. We can boil it down to this. The purpose of the power that God has given you through the Holy Spirit is to be a witness to Christ. Or Paul says it this way in Romans 8.29, you have been predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. Your destiny is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. As a believer, that's your destiny. 
God, by His Spirit, is molding and shaping your life to be more and more conformed. How is He doing that? Well, for some of us, the very fiery trials that we're walking through right now, even though the enemy may mean them for our destruction, they might be meant for evil by someone, but God's promise is, I'll take that very thing that you meant, that he meant, that the enemy meant for evil, and I will cause good to come out of it. So even through the fiery trials that you might be walking through right now, the Spirit of God is working, and he is through that fiery trial molding and shaping you, conforming you to the very image of the Son. That is our destiny in Christ. This is the purpose of power. Today we're going to look look at the prayer for power. In everything, God reveals His purpose. Sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's not so obvious. But in any case, we need to understand that God works His purpose in and through all things. I quoted earlier Luke 18, 1, Then He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And then Jesus gives the parable in Luke 18 of the, of the widow woman who goes to the judge and she says, Get justice for me. Get justice for my adversaries. And the judge, it, Jesus said, This judge didn't fear God and he didn't fear men. But because of the persistence of the widow, the judge says, this woman is not going to leave me alone until I do something for her, so I'm going to get justice for her. I'm going to give, I'm going to execute vengeance against her adversaries for her. And the point of this parable, the point of the story, is that we're not to lose heart as we pray. We're not to lose heart as we walk through the fiery trial. We're not to lose heart even though it seems like... Now think about this. There's a reason why Jesus spoke this parable the way he did. This was a little widow woman coming before a judge who had no fear of man and no fear of God. In other words, she was totally and completely powerless. She had no family. She had no one to advocate for her. So she came herself before this judge who had no fear of anyone. It is the ultimate picture of powerlessness. And this is what Jesus is using to teach us to pray, to not lose heart. So whatever it is you might be walking through right now, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. It doesn't matter how bad the circumstances look. It doesn't matter how bad the numbers may look. It doesn't matter what everyone around you has said about your circumstance. Don't lose heart. You have an advocate. There is a judge advocating for you. There is a judge mediating for you. There is a judge who will execute judgment on your behalf. Don't lose heart. Power doesn't come without purpose, and it doesn't come without prayer. The disciples of Jesus went to Jerusalem, and they waited as Jesus had instructed them. They waited in prayer. Acts 1.14 says, These all continued with one accord in prayer, 
I want you to notice how they continued with one accord in prayer. They were united in prayer. It's important. We all have our personal issues, our personal problems, the personal things that we're praying for and believing God for. And sometimes we get so caught up with our personal problems, we lose sight that we're part of something larger than ourselves. And yes, we have the liberty and the privilege of bringing our personal things to the Lord in prayer, but we can't do that at the expense of the greater cause and the greater purpose that we are a part of. Not apart from, but a part of. My hand is a part of my body. That's a good thing. I can, I can pick my Bible up because my hand is a part of my body. If my hand is a part from my body, I've got problems. And there's too many times that the body of Christ is, instead of being a part of, they are a part from, and that creates problems. They were in one accord in prayer, along with the things that we bring that are our personal issues to the Lord. We should never do that at the expense of understanding that we are part of something greater. And we need to stand together in one accord in prayer, just like the early church did, just like these disciples did, in obedience to Jesus, waiting for the promise of the Father. We prayed here today because there are people waiting for the promise of God to come to pass in their life. It doesn't matter what it is you might need, whether it's finances or healing or or an answer to a situation in your life. You are waiting for the promise of God for your life. And we should stand together in one accord and wait together and pray together. That's the beauty of coming together as the body of Christ, worshiping together, praying together, standing together. But we need to do that for greater purposes. We exist as a body for a purpose God has ordained. He ordained it before the foundations of the world were formed. That we would be a body here in Taylor, Texas. That each individual part, wherever you come from, however you came to be here, you're a part of this body for a purpose that God has ordained. We need to be in one accord in prayer for that purpose. That we would pray and believe, even as Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. That we would stand in one accord in prayer that His will would be done in this body, in this city, on this earth, even as it is in heaven. And so the disciples came together in one accord in prayer and supplication, and they waited. Prayer prepares the way for the promise of power, the provision of power, and the purpose of power to be accomplished through the people of God. They were waiting for the promise 
so that God could accomplish his purpose for the promise through their lives. We are waiting, we are praying for God to accomplish his purpose through our life. He's doing that constantly, every day. Sometimes we're just not conscious of it. And this is, this is the temptation that we have because we live in this world. We're in this world. Even though we're not of this world, we're in this world. And the temptation that comes is we get so caught up in the world that we lose sight of the purpose of God. And we don't realize that God is working every moment of our lives. He's working through us. Let's look at the prayer of Jesus. Go to John chapter 14. And when Jesus said he's going to pray for something, we need to take notice because I'm telling you what, the prayers of Jesus are answered. you believe that? We're not going to spend a lot of time there, but we are going to, well, I'll just wait till we get there. John 14, 16, look at this. Jesus says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Or your, your, your Bible translation might say another comforter. It means the same thing. It can be translated either way, that he may abide with you for a little bit. Huh? Oh, did I say that wrong? Y'all catching it? Come on. That's why you need to have your Bible. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. David said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. I'm going to tell you what. The cross has come. And the work at the cross has been done. Jesus hung there and he says, it is finished. The last words he uttered on that cross. Because of that finished work, this scripture is true. He's praying this. He's telling them this before he goes to the cross. But he's telling them what's going to happen. I'm going to pray the Father and he's going to send you a helper, another helper that he may abide with you forever. Who is this helper? Verse 17 tells us, the spirit of truth. Well, nobody believes in him. The world can't see him. They can't receive him. That's why they don't believe in him. But what's it say about us who do believe? It says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. When Jesus spoke those words, he was looking forward. As we read these words today, we're looking back. He dwells in you right now if you are a child of God. If you've been born again by the Spirit of God, he dwells in you right now. He will never leave you. He dwells in you forever. The Spirit of truth. The, Holy, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, He dwells in you right now if you are in Christ. This is what Jesus said, I'm going to pray for. I'm going to pray the Father. He's going to send 
another helper. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to dwell in you forever. Why did he send him? Acts 1.8, you will receive power to be witnesses to me. We're going to look even further into that. The spirit that will abide with you forever. The spirit of truth that's in you. Now let's go over to John 17. John 17. Some people say this is what's commonly called the high priestly or the priestly prayer of Jesus. The prayer here in John 17 follows a model that the prayer of the, the, uh, the, prayer of the high priest would pray on the day of atonement for the nation Israel. I've heard it said on more than one occasion that this is the only prayer Jesus ever prayed that was not answered or has not been answered yet, but I would submit to you that it absolutely has been answered. There is no unanswered prayer of Jesus. We just don't correctly understand. Jesus has done it. Whether we comprehend it or not doesn't mean it's not done. Just just because I can't explain to you how electricity works doesn't mean electricity doesn't work. John 17, and we, we could do a whole series of messages on this, but let's go to the middle of this prayer. Let's go to verse 20, John 17, 20. Because this directly impacts us. Because we see in John 17, Jesus is still with his disciples. They, they're finishing up. This is before they leave the their upper room where they did the Passover meal, and they're getting ready to leave there to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is going to, to pray and ultimately be arrested. So they're, they're still here in the room where they had the Passover, and he's teaching them about the Holy Spirit. And now he's praying, and they're all there together, and Jesus is praying, and he's prayed for himself, he's prayed for his disciples, He prayed for those that are going to believe. And look at this. I do not pray for these alone, meaning my disciples, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. Me and Dave Brooks were talking Friday night. I I like to think about weird things sometimes. And I told Dave, I said, Dave, have you ever thought about this? I mean, here we are sitting in Taylor, Texas, at my table, drinking a cup of coffee. Do you realize that there is a line of people? Let's just go back to the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. We won't even go back beyond that. Let's just go back 2,000 years to Pentecost when the disciples, the 120 came out of the upper room and Peter preached the gospel. And, and we commonly say it's when the New Testament church was birthed. Let's just go back to that point. Do you know from that point, from, from the words of Peter, somewhere there is a line of people. We can't trace them, but God could trace them. There's a line of people, just like there's physical descendants. You, you came here physically by birth somehow, and, and we can trace the people back. If, if, if you could, all the way back to Adam and Eve that you were descended through. Spiritually, we could do the same thing. Do you realize that there's somebody that the word was preached to, 
They preach the word to somebody. They preach the word to somebody. It doesn't matter whether it happened in a church or on a ship or on a wagon or walking in a forest, however. But somehow that succession of the preaching of the word through their word, Jesus said, I don't just pray for these, but I pray for those who will believe because of their words. That's us. There's a succession of people we could trace back into history that directly impact your salvation, the fact that you're sitting here today. And we want to say the gospel isn't working. We go from 120 people on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, 70 years before, 40 years before its destruction, and here we are in little old Taylor, Texas, talking about these very events, reading the scriptures that have been preserved for us. God did that. Don't tell me the gospel doesn't work. It works. It's working very well. It is working very well. It is the leaven, leavening the lump. It is the the very tiny mustard seed that's growing into something that's going to provide comfort and provision. So Jesus, he's praying here. He's praying for us, those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory, look at verse 22, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Why? That they may be one just as we are one. Why? That the world might believe that you sent me. Why did God, why did Jesus pray that we would have the glory and the unity that him and the Father have? That the world would believe. That the world would believe. Now we can look at the division that exists in the church, in the world. There's division everywhere. Just like we can look at death in the world that exists all over the place and people that die and go to hell every day. That doesn't mean salvation's not real. That doesn't mean life is not real. But in the church, when Jesus prayed that we would be one, he made that prayer. Listen, that prayer's been answered because we are in him and he is in us. Now, whether we comprehend that or not, whether we walk in love together, it's like a family that gets into conflict. A mother and a daughter can be in conflict. A husband and a wife can be in conflict, but they don't stop being family, right? Listen, we are one in Christ. What's got to happen is the church has got to begin to grow in that comprehension, in the knowledge of what has really transpired through our salvation. This is the importance of the gospel. This is why it's important for us to really understand our salvation. That, that my, my salvation is not just about whether I'm going to make it to heaven or not. Church membership isn't your ticket to heaven. Walking the aisle and shaking my hand and saying some words that I tell you to repeat 
doesn't guarantee you a spot in heaven. But if you understand what Jesus Christ did on the cross, you understand that He brought an end of something. He brought an end to one thing and He created something new. And that when you were crucified with Him, you really died with Him. And when you were raised with Him, you were really raised in new life with His life. That the old really has passed away. Behold, all things really have become new. Doesn't matter what you see around you. You are a new creation. You're in an old world, cursed with a curse still, but you are not of that world. You are not of an old creation, you're of a new creation. When you begin to understand that, that we have become one in Christ, that every believer, regardless of how old or what color skin they have or what nationality they are, if they are in Christ, the Father sees them and knows them through the Son. And that's the only way the Father knows them. And that's the only way the Father sees them. You understand that we are one in Him, even as He and the Father are one. The problem is we need to begin to grow in that comprehension. And if I never see my salvation, if I never see my purpose of being in the body of Christ as anything greater than my own personal needs being met, if I don't see myself as a part of something greater than myself, then I'm just going to live apart from that which I, I am a part of. I can't really, in reality, live apart from it, but in my mind, I can be disconnected. Have you ever known someone, maybe a family member, who's just disconnected? Have you ever met anyone that's disconnected from life, emotionally just disconnected? I mean, they're alive. If you've ever dealt with people who have uh, mental illness, for instance, there are certain conditions where these people are just, they're just disconnected. They're here, but they're just disconnected. There's a lot of people spiritually, that's, that's, that's the way they are. They're just disconnected. Because they don't rightly understand and comprehend what has really happened to them. So they're living in a false reality. They're living in a world unto themselves, but they are not really unto themselves. Do you understand what I mean? So what, what do we do? This is why the Bible says, listen, get into the Scripture and begin to wash your mind with this Word. Begin to renew your mind with this Word. And the Spirit of God on the inside of you will begin to teach you, will begin to reveal truth to you. And as you begin to feed on the Word, did you, ever got, did you guys ever see that movie about the guy who only ate McDonald's for like how many days was it? It was like a month or two months. And what happened to him? You know, you, that happened to him. Why? Because he became a product of what he ate. If you begin to eat the Word, if you begin to feed on the Word, you know what? The, the exact same thing is going to happen to you, but in a good way. In a good way. And whether you realize it or not, the Spirit of God in you is washing, renewing, your mind to the truth. 
And you're going to begin to comprehend, you're going to begin to realize that you really are a part of something greater than myself. Yeah, I still have issues that I have to bring before the Lord, that I have to to pray about. I've still got my fiery trials that I'm walking through, but I'm not walking alone. And I also begin to understand that, that a lot of those things are things that the enemy would even use for my destruction, but but instead of focusing on what the enemy might do with that, I focus on what the promise of God says, that God's going to take those things. He's going to work them together for good. And I say, you know what? What God's doing, he's allowing me to walk through the fire. I'm like gold that's being refined. I'm like silver that's being refined. God is molding and shaping me into the very image of his son. It all depends on how you want to look at it. How do you want to view the fiery trial you're walking through in life? Well, I would encourage you to view it the way God says to view it. And this is why Paul says silly things like, and we rejoice even more in tribulation. Why would you rejoice in tribulation? He says, well, I'll tell you why I rejoice in tribulation, because I know what it's producing in me. It's producing perseverance. And perseverance is producing character. And character is producing hope. And hope does not disappoint. Why? Because God has poured out his love into my heart by his spirit. When Jesus said, I'll pray the Father, he'll send you another helper, this is what he was praying for. And he has sent it to us. When the disciples were in that upper room praying for the promise of the Father, this is what they were praying for. Whether they realized What they were really getting ready to receive or not, I don't know. But when they received it, they began to grow in their comprehension of what God had done. And Jesus says, I have prayed for you. John 17, 20. For every one of us in this room, Jesus has prayed for us. If you're in Christ, you're in Christ because he prayed for you. He's made a way for you. to to know, to experience, to have his glory, to have this unity. What's the purpose? That you would be a witness. The power, the prayer for power is a prayer for unity and a prayer in unity that we would know that the Father sent the Son. It's a prayer for power to be witnesses. As believers, power, listen, is not something we're praying to receive. I want you to hear me. It's asking that God would grant us the grace to walk in and manifest the power that he has already freely given to us. Listen, if you're in Christ and Christ dwells in you by the Holy Spirit and Christ is the fullness and the scripture says that he is, you've already received What you need to do is grow in your comprehension of what you already have. What you need to begin to do is thank God for what he's already given you and begin to walk in it. Don't keep asking him to give you something more of something that he can't give you more of. He's already given you his spirit. What you need to do is begin to thank him for it and begin to walk in it. Well, what if nothing happens when I walk? What do you mean, what if nothing happens? Just walk in it. Open your mouth and share Christ with people. Open your mouth and love people. Put your arms around people and love them. Reach out to them. Demonstrate, not just with your words, but with your life, the love of Christ. Begin to 
declare the wonderful works of God that he's done in your life. Begin to impart that to people. I'm not asking you to raise the dead, and neither is God. He's saying walk in the light. Walk in his life. Don't be afraid to do that. Our prayer with thanksgiving and praise is for what God has already freely given us. Listen, is powerful and it's effective in our obedience. If we go through life thanking God and rejoicing Him for what He's already giving us, and we are walking in the obedience of that, we're sharing the love of Christ. We're witnessing through our life, and our life and our words are consistent. And when they're not, we're not afraid to admit we messed up. Hey, I messed up. I fell. Forgive me. There's nothing wrong with that. The power to be witnesses is only effective in our obedience. The power is not of us. The power is of His Spirit. We're simply the vessels that the Spirit's life and power is manifest through. And this is why obedience is important. This is what the Bible calls you. It calls you a vessel. Paul says these jars of clay, these earthen vessels, contain an exceedingly great and precious treasure. What is that great and precious treasure? It's the life of Christ. It's the Spirit of God in us. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Why did Jesus pray for you and I that we would receive, that we would, would, would receive his glory and the unity that him and the Father have? He prayed that so that our lives would glorify, would bring glory to the Father in heaven. This is why Jesus said, the branch is to produce more fruit. Because by the more fruit, my Father in heaven is glorified. This is all about the glory of God. It's not about us, it's about Him. Now we, we get to participate, we get the benefit, but primarily, this is not about us. This is about Him. It's about His glory. The living word has been brought and written on our hearts. Listen, Jesus instructs us, a lamp is brought to give light, not to be hidden. We are the light of the world. Why? Because the light of the world lives in us. We are really like that clay lamp. We're really like that lamp. Have you all ever seen those little clay lamps? They're supposedly like the ones Jesus would have used in his day. It's a little clay lamp and got a little flame. However you want to envision a lamp in your mind, listen, the lamp contains the light, okay? We're the lamp. The light is in us. You don't bring a lamp out to hide it. You bring a lamp out so that the light will shine. We're to let our light shine. The living word has been brought and written on our hearts by the Spirit of God that dwells in us. And it's been brought that we might shine before men and thereby glorify our Father in heaven. 
And we'll shine before men as we do what? As we walk in the Spirit. And as we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill what? The lust of the flesh. So we'll shine before men as we walk in the Spirit, as we walk in obedience to the life and the nature that dwells in us by the Spirit of God. The purpose of our obedience is not to receive something from God. The purpose of our obedience is to glorify the Father as witnesses in the power of His Spirit that's been poured out to us freely in Christ. The promise of power, the provision of power, the purpose of power, and the prayer for power is that we would walk in the Spirit's power to be witnesses. Remember Jesus said in You will receive power and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, we don't live in Jerusalem. We don't live in Judea, Samaria. We live in Taylor, Texas. So how how does this apply to us? Remember, we said that our Jerusalem begins where? It begins right here. So he's given us the power to be witnesses in our Jerusalem, in our daily in our hearts, daily in our homes, daily in in our city, daily in the people that are immediately around us. Think of your family. Fathers, mothers, think of your children. Sisters, brothers, think of your parents. Think of your siblings. In Judea and Samaria, daily in our life, daily in our walk, daily in our work, think of the people that you work with. Think of the people you associate with that live around you whether it's driving to the store or going to the office or whatever it is, daily those around us, to the ends of the earth, do you understand that daily God can take your life and use your life to touch the very ends of the earth? Somehow, we're on the other end of the earth from where this all began, but somehow we're here talking about it. Through their words, it came to us at the ends of the earth. Do you not believe that God can take your words right here on this part of the earth that you live and use them to touch someone on the other side of the earth? Especially today, when in an instant, something can happen in China and you can know about it in just a matter of moments, right there on the internet. Just with the click of a mouse, with the click of a button on your computer, you can send the word of God to someone all the way across on the other side of the globe. If there's ever been a time when we can touch the ends of the earth, this is the time. Don't think that God won't use your life, your words, as you declare and are a witness to him to reach the ends of the earth. God poured out his spirit into our hearts so that we could be and so that we would be a witness to him. Not just so that we could be, but so that we would be. Witness to Him. Be filled with the Spirit. That's a command in Ephesians 5.18. Speak the word with boldness. That's what the disciples prayed for in Acts 4.31. Walk in the Spirit and don't fulfill the lust of the flesh is what Paul wrote to the Galatians. Let your light shine before men, Jesus said, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You have, listen church, you have the power to be witnesses. He lives on the inside of you. Walk in it. Be obedient. Walk in it. 
Let your light shine. Glorify your Father in heaven through your life. Amen? Let's all stand. Thank you, Lord. It's raining. Praise God. So listen, I always say this after I pray, and I really do mean it. You know, I welcome, if you have questions about anything that I might have talked about today, questions about a scripture, questions about anything you've heard me preach or teach, please come. I love to talk about the scripture. And sometimes you might hear something I say, and you might think, I wonder what that means, or I wonder what he thinks about this take on it. I welcome you to come and talk with me. This is why I encourage you, bring your Bible, bring your pen and paper, take notes, follow along. Amen? So as I pray today and as I dismiss you, as always, you're welcome to come and, and we'll talk and we'll discuss. Or if you want prayer for something, maybe you didn't come up earlier for prayer, you're welcome to come and, and we'll pray at the end of the service after I dismiss everybody. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your words, your words are eternal. Lord Jesus, you said that your word is truth. And you, you prayed and you said, Father, sanctify them by the truth. And Lord, I pray today that you would take the word that we have proclaimed, the gospel that we have proclaimed, that you would, by your spirit, begin to open our hearts and minds to the truth of your word. God, you have put your spirit in us. We are your children. And you have put that spirit there, empowered us with that spirit, that we would be witnesses to you. Father, I pray that we would be challenged as believers to be witnesses to Christ in our life every day. Father, we would go out from this place each week and realize that we leave this place and we go into the mission field. The mission field is not in a foreign country. It's not halfway across uh, the world, across an ocean. The mission field is where we live every day. I pray, Father God, that we would see ourselves as missionaries in the mission field that you have placed us in and that we would understand that we are here to proclaim, to, to be witnesses, to bear witness to Christ. Father, we would not only come to church ready, Lord, to hear the Scripture, study the Scripture, grow in the Scripture, worship You and praise You, but Father, we would, we would come bringing those that we have witnessed to, sharing the Gospel with those, that, Father God, that we would love the Gospel enough to share the Gospel, that we would see the importance that we are part of something much greater than ourselves. Father, that we would share that with those that you bring into our life. We thank you for that. Be glorified, Lord, as we let our light shine. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a good hand. God bless you. Thank him for the rain. Come back tonight at 5.30. We'll have the Truth Project right here.